And you see a lot of colleagues of mine or, or peers in the tech sector that are either talking, you know, way below the audience's level or, or way above it. And I think it's really, really important for us as, as ambassadors to be able to relay the message, what is blockchain, right? How is it useful? How is it potentially going to change our lives? And it's important that our, that our messaging is really, really important, but also tailored to different communities that are listening to us. Welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now it's time to get a bit cryptic. Welcome, Cryptonauts. Today on a Big Cryptic Podcast, we are here with Ari Zoldan, an entrepreneur, television and radio commentator, speaker, and media personality. He is CEO and founder of Quantum Media, a multi-million dollar New York City-based company that consults businesses on media, information, and entertainment industries. Ari is a regular guest on Fox News, CNN, and NBC, providing expert commentary on emerging technology, blockchain, Internet of Things, cybersecurity, social media, and emerging business trends. Ari has accompanied President Obama on the ground to Israel and the West Bank and holds press credentials to Capitol Hill and the United Nations and is a member of the National Press Club. He is one of the few hand-selected influencers IBM has selected to be named an IBM futurist. Basically, that's an exclusive club for super smart and influential people chosen by IBM. So in summary, Ari is awesome and we're super stoked to have him here today. So, yes, we are. Welcome, Ari. Great to be here, guys. Thank you. I mean, that just, I'm blushing. So thank you. <laughs> My name is Jeff Peterson, for those of you guys who don't know, and I'm here with my co-host today. Alain Leon, a.k.a. Bitcoin Van Gogh. As you can see by that sweet Van Gogh picture behind him, in case you guys forget. <laughs> yeah. That's branding, folks. <laughs> Good branding. Yeah. We're here with a guy who knows way more about that stuff. So Ari, uh, you just came back from a big trip, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just back from Moscow. First of all, let me, let me just say it's really, really great to be here and, and both of your energies. And we had a, had a chance to meet you, Jeff, and your energy is certainly infectious. So keep up the wonderful work and, and the initiative that you're doing in the community. I think it's really, really important. So yeah, just, just back from, from Moscow, uh, I spend a lot of time overseas. This is the, the first time being in Russia. And what I've, what I've observed there was something very, very different than anywhere else in the world. We always hear about Russians being really good in, in technology, but you hear less about the, the human side uh, of people there and how they interact socially. And I have to say that overall, the experience was incredible. They were fun, they were hospitable, but at the same time, very balanced and just highly intelligent. And just the experience was, you know, everyone that I've met in the technology community there really got it. They got the market, they got the opportunity, but at the same time, they also got the challenges that they're facing as quote unquote Russians and, and how they're perceived in the market too. So overall, it was quite, it, it was fascinating. It was really fascinating. The interactions that I, that I had with people and, and companies were just really phenomenal. So. Yeah, that sounds like a great experience. I, I want to go to Russia so bad. I'm actually learning Russian right now. So one of the things that... Are you going to learn, you know, learn, I mean, always learn the curse words first. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, I, I know them already, but I'm not going to say them on here in case... It's <laughs> yeah, no, don't get us in trouble, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. 
So tell us a little bit about your background, Ari. I know we, we met at the Blockchain World Conference in Atlantic City, and I got to talk to you a little bit. But uh, for the audience who doesn't really know you, um, could you tell us a little bit more, kind of past what the bio we read about you said? Sure, sure. And, and as a member of the media, remember, like, don't believe anything you, you read or see on, on television. Yeah. <laughs> but, but certainly there, there is. There you go. There you go. Thank you. No, certainly um, it was a flattering introduction. So thank you. My, my background, uh, born and raised in, in Long Island and in, uh, in New York City, graduated from Yeshiva University, went to undergraduate business school there, Sison School of Business, majored in, in finance. I think I, I majored in finance probably because F, after accounting, F came a couple of letters after accounting, having, having no idea about finance. Not the right match for me after graduating and, and getting involved in, in the workforce. And it was the time of the, the heyday of the internet, like a lot in, in business, I, I believe outside of hard work, timing, which people don't really talk about as much, uh, is really critical in a lot of people's, let's call it, success. Got involved in telecom very early, specifically in voice over IP, and really stayed within the technology sector over the past 20 years. It's definitely, it's been a, it's been a wonderful, wonderful ride. And then in parallel with that, I needed to find a differentiating factor in building a lot of my startups. And the competition, obviously, in any startups is, is very, very fierce, and the chances of success are very, very low. Fell into an opportunity with some of the news networks and fell in love with the media, maybe with some of my ego that it was connecting with. But met a, met a producer in 2008. Actually, her name is Alvina, and oh, a lot of gratitude to her. And she's really, over the past 10 years, she's guided me and, and helped me a lot in terms of breaking that that media code, if you will, in a good place right now. And obviously, being an entrepreneur, you got feast or famine. And most of the time, it's, it's famine. And if anyone tells you differently, that they're not being honest with you. But it's been a great personal journey, less on the business side, more on learning who you are and learning about resilience and getting up in the morning, despite everything. This site, you know, it's just, it's uh, been a very, very personal, in fact, I'd say emotional journey when you're going down the road of entrepreneurship and, and building something from scratch and knowing every single day that the, the odds are, are stacked against you. So that's my background. One of the things I will say about your uh, famine comment, I've been reading lately a lot about fasting and supposedly it makes for longevity. I don't know if it carries over to tech, but you know, if it holds, it's going to create resiliency and make you stronger. I love that. I love that. I mean, talk about fasting. Unfortunately, I, I'm not anywhere in that spectrum of, of fasting. <laughs> but, but, but having said that, the, the Jewish holiday is actually coming, coming upon us and, and Yom Kippur is a day of fasting. So, yeah, your, your comment is, is perfect. So, yeah, well, we, as, we as human beings, are, I think, are meant to struggle and, and fast and feel a little bit of hardship. I think if we were comfortable all the time, we wouldn't We'd be all pretty bored. I think human beings are meant to be problem-seeking machines, and the moment everything is perfect, we're going to find something wrong with it anyway. So, I'd rather I'd rather be building something interesting and struggling for creating something nice than being comfortable and not improving the world a little bit. I love that. I love that. You know, there, there's something in um, as being Jewish, I'm, I'm definitely very outspoken about about my identity, and there's something in the in the Talmud that talks about differentiating between man and animal. And one of the big differentiating factors is that 
for better, for worse, men have choice, you know, and, and consciousness into, and you know, we make bad choices all the time, but that's also part of who we are as, as people. So Definitely. Unless you read some, some of those articles that talk about how we don't really have free will and, uh, Oh yeah, no, don't get, yeah, don't get me. Let's go. We're we're getting off on a tangent. There you go. There you go. It all comes back to blockchain. Yeah. So the answer is blockchain. (laughs) So, you you know, you're just traveler, you you work all over the world. What are your thoughts? I mean, I I ask this to everyone I I speak with is the ICO market. Is it a fed? Is it dead? Is it going to continue to grow? Is it, is it, on a dip right now. I would love to pick your brains about that and what your thoughts are. My particular opinion is that, you know, so we, we saw a lot of, let's call it investment and demand. I call it a bubble. I don't give it a lot of the negative connotations that a lot of people add to the bubble. It's just, you know, sort of like a, a flurry that happened. There's still a lot more technology on the blockchain space that can impact society, that can impact companies all the technologies we already know, you mentioned some of them, voting, shipping. So there's going to be another wave. There's still people coming into the space. It's only a small percentage of of folks are still in blockchain. So a lot of what we saw was retail going a bit crazy, retail investors. I feel that we're still going to see a lot of the businesses come in and and invest, keep investing in it. So I I don't think that this is sort of to... To say something concrete, I don't think that this is the bubble burst that happened in tech and then it took however many years for it to come back. I think it quite possibly it could it could rebound within a year or two, if not sooner. That does not mean that we may not see sort of a, a, a drop, a quick drop and then have it come back. But I, I just think there's a lot of technology that still hasn't made its way that's wor- working through the system mm-hmm. that still ac- actually hasn't reached businesses and hasn't made its impact. Mm. And that is going to drive another, another wave. Mm. Interesting. And, and Jeff, I, I, I know you guys are supposed to interview me, but I'm just back. <laughs> yeah. This is what you get for bringing a media person on our podcast. Yeah, I know, right? Turn it around. <laughs> but I like it. I like it. And, and, and this is not me deflecting. I'm just really fascinated because you guys are, are also on the forefront of, of some of this stuff. And it's just it's interesting to hear your opinion. Do you agree with that? Well, I think my biggest worry is for the people who are coming into this space, like the retail investors who who don't really know what they're doing, like the people, especially the people who came into December, you know, they got excited. There was this flurry of, of excitement over like Bitcoin um, nearing 20,000 and all these, all, these com- all these companies, you know, giving huge returns on investments when you invest in their ICO. And then with the big crash, a lot of people lost a ton of money. I, I worry more about those people who don't really do a lot of research and are kind of like the grandmas investing their savings and, and losing everything. I'd say I have like this cautious excitement because there is a lot of amazing technology behind this stuff. I think especially with the recent downtrend, you, if we see a lot of trimming of the fat and uh, clipping of the hedges, whatever you want to say, in terms of these companies that aren't really offering valuable services or, or products or don't really have their, their crap together in terms of like having a solid team and a solid idea in front of them. So... I'm cautiously optimistic. I think we're going to see some some really big innovations come out of this. And I think we're going to see also a lot of horror stories. Um, we already have a bunch of those. I think a lot of people kind of make this comparison to the tech bubble like Bitcoin Van Gogh just did. You have these Amazons, these Googles that are going to come out of it. And and so I'm, I'm just excited to see the future of what this technology is going to mature into because right now it is very immature and 
we are going to see, you know, the web 2.0 version of blockchain coming out at some point that will be things that we can never even think of at this moment. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm, a, I'm more of an advocate of, of the underlying technology. Um, I think about whether or not the ICO market is a fad. I'm not 100% convinced that this is going to be an asset class, quite frankly, unless the technology evolves in a way that people feel very, very comfortable investing in this. Because I, I think even a, it quite frankly doesn't make sense to me that you know, even with a decent management board and, and a white paper and an idea that there's money being thrown at something. So I have a very, very hard time really getting getting a handle on that. And I'm, I'm more of a big advocate on the underlying technology. That's really what it, what it's about. Because that, the napkin and idea, you know, as a management board, um, people throwing money, it really does remind me like what we just covered of, of the late 90s, the, the mid to late 90s. That in itself, aside from from giving the industry because of the association that it's blockchain, really gives gives it a bad rap. And that is extremely challenging. So I, I do think, at least from a media perspective as well, it's bad press, you know, and although people say, oh, well, you know, even bad press is good press. I, I don't agree with that. You know, I don't think there's anybody out there that, that wants bad press, especially, you know, guys like all of us that are ambassadors for this technology. Nobody wants that. So, Ari, let me ask you. Recently, we had uh, Patrick Byrne of Overstock fame on the show. And, you know, he has uh, T0 and uh, security tokens. And he also said there were going to be some big announcements coming with what he was doing there. So that sort of speaks to the technology that is coming out and is going to make waves in, in the real world. But what do you think about security tokens sort of bringing security to, to the sector? Do you think that that is something that, that can propel it forward and can take away some of that inconsistencies with ICOs? That's a good question. And, and I, don't, I don't know. You know, and and I kind of know the stuff that I know. I, I definitely don't know the stuff that I don't know. I think a lot of it is going to depend on legal guidance from from the government. That's huge, which has been a, a huge issue in, in America because, quite frankly, people have no idea what's allowed, what's not allowed. Um, there really hasn't been from the top, and and I do believe. I do believe in regulation. Let's take aside, you know, Democrat, Republican. You know, I, I do believe that people do need to be governed in part. I do believe that we need laws, we need some structure, but like everything else in life, everything is a balance. And we're not getting that specifically with what's allowed and not allowed in, in the ICO market. And I think it's it's hurting us, quite frankly. Security token, you know, is, is it seen as a security? I don't, is it, is it seen as a security? Is, is it seen as a utility? You know, without very, very clear guidance. And then after, obviously, the guidance, having the institutions come behind it will create an environment, I think, then for investors to feel, you know, really, really comfortable. You know, today, and especially in America, we're talking about, you know, China, we're talking about different parts of the world. We have what's called an FDIC, right? Like, you know, do you really think every time you make a deposit that, oh, well, you know, maybe Chase or Citibank will, will lose our money or will Citibank or Chase, you know, default? The answer is no. You feel very, very confident. Well, we need that kind of confidence in the ICO market in order to continue to create innovation 
and, and that does come from the top. We do need a we need the guidance. We need a, we need some sort of infrastructure to for the community to be able to really participate. And anyone says that oh you know you don't need that. Well then where is the confidence going to come from? So quick question. There are some people, obviously, this is a space that uh, is filled a lot by libertarians and sort of anti-government folks. When they hear the word regulation, it's like a bad thing. They definitely do not want it. And there are at least some points where one could argue that they make valid points. For example, a lot of the times when you talk about security tokens or even just in, in the industry, when you're an investor, you need to be an accreditor investor. Right? Mm-hmm. And if you think about some of the things that like Vitalik has said lately, he called those rules unfair because it doesn't allow for regular folks to invest in good companies that may grow considerably simply because of the accredited investor status. Is there a risk that along with the security that some regulations may provide, you're going to get all those other rules that are not fair as Vitalik referred to them? Mm-hmm. What are your feelings about that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I think that there's no right or wrong answer to that. And it's probably more of a, of a holistic answer because whenever you have a complicated structure, there's going to be pockets of inefficiencies, right? Like you're not going to make everyone happy. All the regulations are not going to be to your standards. But I think you got to look at the overall picture. You know, is regulation good for this industry? Is regulation going to build confidence? Is this regulation or these regulations going to really open up the doors for entrepreneurs in the community to flourish? And I think that, I think the answer is yes, 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 and, and yes. And, and I think people, people do need, not, not to get again too philosophical, but people do need to be led. Right. I mean, that's the reason why you have followers and, and you have leaders. And I think as a pop, as, as people is who we are. Um, and, and I guess a, as a technologist, I, I could sort of talk in a, in a very, you know, general also sense. And, and obviously a lot of technologists, you know, lean more to the left. But to push back on that, I think people do need to be led and, and they need guidance and they do need structure. Coding, you know, for the coders out, the coders is about, is about discipline and structure as well. It's not, it's not a free for all. That's sort of my, those are my initial thoughts. So. I want to get more uh, meta about what you do. So you're, you're a veteran tech analyst, you're a media guy. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges for covering uh, an emerging tech like blockchain from that perspective, from an analyst and from a media perspective? Sure. The biggest challenge, obviously, is that this is very, very, very complicated stuff. This is not easy on, on any level. There's an educational curve, right? So let's say when I'm on air, how do I really, really break it down to make it super, super simple? But you, at the same time, you're kind of talking to different audience, right? Depending on the network. So for the business network, per se, for the CNBCs or the Bloombergs of the world, they want something that's, I think, more concrete, more technical, because a lot of that community is obviously their savvy investors, their institutions. So I think delivering a message to them is very, very different than delivering a message to a Fox News or a CNN, where the audience is, is clearly, clearly different and have a different appetite for information. So I, I, think, I think that's a bit of a challenge. So obviously, before myself or anyone goes on air is obviously rule number one is, is knowing who your audience is and speaking to that. So I think that is super, super important. And, and you see a lot of 
colleagues of mine or, or peers in the tech sector that are either talking, you know, way below the audience's level or, or way above it. And I think it's really, really important for us as, as ambassadors to be able to relay the message, what is blockchain, right? How is it useful? How is it potentially going to change our lives? And it's important that our, that our messaging is really, really important, but also tailored to different communities that are listening to us. So you're saying that one of the challenges is to communicate, depending on who you're talking to, your audience, right? What blockchain is. Another one of the challenges that the crypto scene has had is that it's been seen as, first it was Bitcoin, of course, that it was seen as, as primarily being used for nefarious activities. Where do you feel we are today with that type of branding that it was either given or that it got or whether it was appropriate or not? What are those audiences that you referred to? What would your assessment is that they feel, whether that's been shed or not? Sure, sure. It's a great question. Words are everything, right? We're, I really believe that words are everything and obviously how we communicate those words and tone and context and positioning. I do believe the word, obviously, is not a good word. And I don't think really it will ever be seen or adopted as a good word because crypto is, there's this alarm of secrecy, even though it's obviously it's about cryptography. So I, I think it has a bad label. The same thing when, same thing with cloud. You know, there's a lot of people out there that won't, you know, put their stuff online because they're not educated enough to know that, no, no, just because it's quote unquote in the cloud doesn't mean that it disappears into, into thin air. So I almost feel that if we were to go back in time and change the word and not use the word talking about, you know, branding and positioning, we probably shouldn't use the word crypto, you know, and if, if we use the word, you know, glamorous coin. Or security would, or even security. Or security, it would take on an entirely, entirely feel. But it, it's just amazing how, how important words are. I think unless we change the name, it's always going to have that negative stigma. And maybe that's what's actually holding us back. As simple as that. I could see that. I mean, there's a reason global warming was changed to climate change. Right. Because people had this misconception where everything was warming up. But in fact, it's more complex than that. In some areas will in fact cool, whilst other areas warm up. And it's only an average temperature increase. But, you know, if you're an individually... If you're in an area where things are cooling, you're like, well, these guys are crazy. It's been snowing more than ever here. Right. You know, we, it's funny, obviously as a, as a marketing, marketing and media firm, and we work with a lot of international firms, bringing them into the U.S. And obviously our target is technology companies working with artificial intelligence companies, AI, IoT, social media companies. Really, our, our firm is tech-centric and we represent a lot of these companies, a lot of these international companies, obviously uh, want to break into the U.S. and they don't have the marketing savvy to be able to do it, and that's why I, I've always said America has a very symbiotic relationship with a lot of foreign countries. Because what I like to say inside the box in America, our technology is you know maybe so-so. Everything is outsourced. It's a race to the bottom many times from a price perspective, but our but our packaging that Tiffany box is just beautiful, right? Like we're brand junkies, right? I mean, we spend $10 on a cup of coffee and we started that, you know, that's just 
insane. We're the biggest buyers of luxury items. You know, we're we're we just we love branding. We love being associated with luxury goods. But inside the boxes, eh, eh, you know, our engineering is not so good. You know, a lot of stuff is outsourced. But a lot of these foreign countries, like like Russia, has exactly the opposite problem, and that's where our firm comes in is that inside the box their engineering is just as brilliant nobody could touch them but they need marketing and they need they need that box they need that bow they need that tiffany box to be able to wrap their technology in a way that's that's digestible in a way that really looks beautiful and that's where our firm comes in you know as an american company born and bred it's in our fabric to be able to market and brand companies and what's great is that we get to work with really intelligent companies overseas to be able to bring them into the U.S. and put them in that beautiful box so that they can sell their technology in, in an effective manner. I'll give you a quick instance uh, in some of the stuff I'm talking about. We rewrite a lot of their copy, right? Whether it's for their white papers, their websites, their marketing materials, their investor decks. And although they, they think they're doing a good job and definitely the efforts are there, there's there's words and content there that unless you're born in America, there's no way that you're going to get that message in right. For instance, the word scheme, and it's not specific to Russia's scheme, right? Scheme in anywhere outside of America is a relatively accepted word, doesn't have a negative connotation. Scheme in the U.S., if you tell someone that, you know, you have a scheme going on, no one's going to invest in your in your company, but yet the word there is a very friendly, good, strategic word. So we come in there and we sort of dress the companies up in a way that they can go out there and sell their great, great product. So it sort of touches upon words and definition also as it relates to the industry too. It's super, super important that for us as ambassadors, that we get the right message across and in a way that as I said, that we're not only addressing the right audience, but that the message is getting across in a way that's obviously very positive. It makes sense. Do you think in general, the, the media that covers tech has a good grasp of crypto and is presenting it in a way that you think is positive? Or you think there's a lot of, I mean, I guess we talked about, you know, they're presenting a lot of negative things about it, but do you think they really understand it well? No, absolutely not. I, I mean, from, from one to a hundred, you know, a hundred being they understand it really, really well. Zero is that they have no clue. You know, it's probably even in an aggressive number, even if I would say it's 50% accurate, that's actually more dangerous than a zero because having half the knowledge leaves the other half for total interpretation and confusion. So no, we're, we're not there. I think we've got, we've got a long way to go. But coming back to some of the stuff, the solution is that, and some of the great work that you guys are doing is informing the public, is educating the public. If you guys are, are intelligent guys, you're technologists, you're marketers, and this form of a podcast is just, is incredible, is really, really good. So, so really, congratulations for what you guys are doing. I think it's really, it's important, it's important for us, and I, and I feel really, really feel really connected and this is not a, a paid sponsorship opportunity for you know, <laughs> yeah yeah so, you know yeah, we, we didn't pay to say that <laughs> yeah not at all 
be no disclaimers at the end, you know, but I, so I kind of want to know what you, I wish I would know what you would have said if we had paid you, how much better would it have been? You know? oh, there you go. <laughs> it it, it, it would have been over the top where it yeah. would have been so, it would have sounded so unauthentic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it it would have been big connect status. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, he would have been, been like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there'd be a very, very quick call to action. And yeah. there's a double, 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 you know, yeah. You know, having this conversation is is bringing to mind a, a particular interview from, I guess maybe your name is is reminding me of it too, from this Ari Paul of Block Tower. And at one time, I think he was at CNBC and he was talking a lot about Bitcoin. And, you know, Ari just has this, this wealth of information that he has. And when he was all done, when it came to asking the Bitcoin, they asked him, but isn't Bitcoin really just used for drugs? And he's, he's on TV and Ari Paul just, just caught him completely off guard. Like he just, he just had like a good two, three minute conversation about what Bitcoin is, what it can do for the future, how it's going to change the world, how it's going to make it better. And the very first question right out of the gate, it stunned him for a second. He recovered very well, but to your point, yeah, I, there's still that stigma. Yeah. And so how do you think we change it? I mean, let me sort of put it back to you guys. How do we, how do we change it? So I'm, I have a little bit more of an engineer mindset. Definitely what you're doing with sort of picking the right words, having the right communication, showing those finer points to, to folks that may not be aware of it is making an impact. I feel it's really going to start gaining speed when some of that technology hits the ground. We're still waiting for, aside from currency, right? We're still waiting for the major technology that the everyday person puts together with blockchain, with, with crypto, if we're going to use that word, that they can clearly see that it is not, you know, buying drugs or nefarious activity. Once we have that one, whether it be voting, maybe it's as Mike Novogratz says, whether it's Duber, distributed Uber or whatever it is, okay. you know. That. Yeah, it, it's going to be something like that that's really, that nobody's ever going to be able to say, oh, isn't it just used for nefarious activity? That's my right. view. It's interesting. Last week when I was in Moscow, I, I was with some friends with a company called Mile, Mile Unity Foundation. They're a, they're a nonprofit. And their goal is to, one of their goals is to be able to educate the industry on some of the stuff, not only what, what they're doing, but uh, to educate the the industry on on the digital economy, and you know the, what they're doing, they're launching some of their own their own products. But first and foremost, they're interested. Work, you know, they have a nonprofit, and they're working to be able to educate the masses on the technology. And and I just have so much and have so much. I give I give them a lot of praise for what what they're doing, and and I think that they're going to be successful based on the fact that they're working from an educational standpoint and it's very, very not self-serving and they're brilliant, brilliant technologists and you know, they're deeply engaged in the United Nations community, in the IMF, in the World Bank and, and their nonprofit is strictly to be able to educate the masses on the digital economy and, and everyone benefits from their message. So I, I love what they're doing and, and they really should be the poster child of how it should be done. So what's, what's the name of this organization again? So people can check them out. Yeah, it's called Mile Unity Foundation. 
Mile Unity Foundation. Mile, yeah. If you just Google Mile. Also not paid for by Mile Unity Foundation. <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's send it to exactly. afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> See if they'll donate. Exactly. Mile, M-I-L-E, Unity Foundation. The founders are just brilliant. They're good guys. Uh, they're honest. And they're passionate about what they're, about what they're doing. I mean, they're also working on a, a very, very intelligent product, worked with governments and non-governmental organizations, non-government organizations as well, educating really governments on what the digital economy is about and how it's transformative and how it can really help the people at the end of the day. So I, I love that. I just felt so, I spent so much time with them when I was in Moscow and felt very, very connected to their, to their message. So. And those are the type of guys who inspire, I think, the, the entrepreneurs, the technologists to actually build those things you know it's like the the sci-fi movies that inspire people to build that that technology that's going to change things and um i remember when i was a kid i used to watch the discovery channel and watch all these cool science science shows and that's actually what inspired me to become a scientist today so i think there's definitely a big aspect that the, the educational resources we can provide and, and the media resources we can provide to educate people will really make a difference in the future and then also to to alliance point I think there's also this gap of when, once we have something user facing, it'll make a huge difference. Like we all know what amazon.com is because we interact with it. Once there's something user facing that we can interact with, I think it becomes a lot more intuitive and a lot less analytical and heady for the average person. So it's, it's going to be a combined effort. I think from the, from the entrepreneurs and from the educators and from the media kind of attacking it at all angles. So we are running low on time, but uh, I wanted to ask you, Speaking of education, are there any particular books or videos or resources you'd recommend to people to uh, maybe get a deeper grasp of some of the topics we covered today? And if you have something short, it'd be ideal. But if not, if you, if you do have a book, uh, as, as a suggestion, we'll take it. You know, but a lot of a lot of folks like to get you know short tidbits of information. Sure. The reason I, I, I sort of don't like, you know, sharing a, a short list of, of books, because the, the people that a lot of people that author a lot of these books, it's very self-serving. I don't necessarily believe that they're entirely unbiased. What I do actually, um, I'll go to Amazon, you know, all the time and I'll, I'll type in, you know, and new books are popping up all the time, you know, just you go to Amazon, you do crypto, you know, cryptocurrency books. And I'm just driven by by the ratings, you know, and I look like, you know, what's the I don't even look necessarily what's the top selling books. But I look at the comments. That's mm -hmm. the most important thing. And the book list is constantly changing. So no, the, there's no specific book that I read that really pointed to wow, you know, this was really uh, an unbiased book. <laughs> also, I wish I had that that short list and, and also my, my night table. Love to show you a photo of it. There's about like 300 books piled up with, you oh, know, wow. <laughs> with, with I, I should probably, you know, turn the, um, the video to it, but with like seven pages on each book sort of folded in because none of the books have been finished, obviously, you know. It's probably because I have the attention span of a of a fruit fly. <laughs> short of uh, short of that, yeah. I mean, really, Amazon's the best planet, and I look at the ratings and I see who's writing the stuff. So it's not just two thumbs up, you know, or it's a great book. It's more that hey, you know, this is my background. I've read it, you know, and here are my thoughts on it. And obviously, I browse the news a couple of times a day and have the keyword alerts set up for you know ICO, cryptocurrency, and stuff of that sort. Although I I read all those articles with you know with a grain of salt as well because even the people that are not all of them but the people that are writing the articles as well 
are also writing articles on politics and and world affairs and don't really have a a deep deep knowledge on the technology too which is problematic because that's also comes back to a lot of our, our messaging too but but there are there are really good and it's hard to find there are good technologists out there that are also good journalists and, and good writers i've managed and I'm, I'm working on it myself i'm i'm working on trying to to bridge that divide where some of the articles are, are engaging but they're they're also factual too and it's challenging challenging i think for people and in, in, you have know, you know journalism background as well it's hard to find those really good balanced articles it's definitely something that i'm i'm working on myself to be able to to pen and I, i've been doing that pretty frequently also so even just you know a google of my name will will come up with some articles again this is not paid i'm not getting anything for it it's you know sort of take what you like and, and leave the rest I totally agree. I think the Amazon rating system is one of the greatest inventions ever. From, you know, a wine opener to the best crypto book, going through those comments. And a lot of people take take the time to put in very good detailed comments. So I, I agree. Yeah. Although I recommend using one of those tools that there's actually, if you Google it, like Amazon rating, fake tool reader or whatever. So you can, it lets you know how many, what percentage of the comments are fake and what percentage are real. Oh, um, because a lot that. of them are fake. That's, That's cool. Problem. So uh, I don't actually remember the name of it. There's a couple of these tools, but just Google like, you know, Amazon rating, fake tool, whatever. Um, and there's like a two or three websites that like will actually analyze whatever product you're looking at and let you know what percentage of the reviews are actually real or not. And you can get a more realistic view of what the product actually is to people as opposed to how much they paid people off to write good reviews about them. Uh, I, I was never in that business, full, full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I have friends who have products on Amazon. So they tell me like, you know, it's like you have to get good ratings. So like people will trade products for good reviews and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's, it's a whole business because of exactly what you said. People trust it. So <laughs> you guys are a good example for why. Yeah, no, I'm a total sucker. You know, it's interesting when, when you, especially when you see like 20,000 ratings, you know, it's like, it, it's hard to even question that. Like, yeah, of course. Wow. 20 that, even if like 98% of them, but yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of garbage out there. You're right. People will just, you know, give products. Friend. Yeah. It's challenging now. The, I think someone with 20,000 reviews that already shows a lot about them that they know how to like run a business. And that alone, I think should be a good reason to check out the material. Even if it is self-serving, like just to get them in the mind of that person, I think it's totally worth it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So, so we should do that. Hey, you know, even if it's all, even if it's all fake, you did a great job building those reviews. Buy it anyway. Yeah, buy it anyway. This guy's smart, you know. <laughs> I, know I, I ended up with a great mattress out of out of the one I bought had like twenty thousand reviews or something yeah. like that. So I, you know, and it worked. So, is there cool. anything else you want to talk about before we uh, we close off? Anything else? No, I, I think we covered a, a lot of good. There's a lot of good content in this in this podcast. I think it's it's really really important for anybody involved in in technology or even people that are interested in technology to really to master what blockchain is and then to be able to send that message or amplify that message so that we all benefit from it. We all benefit from from the community. Look, it's it's spurring jobs even at the the very, very least, it's creating jobs. It's, it's going to be able to, it's creating a, a mini economy as well, just like just like the internet, just like cloud computing. And I feel from also from a business perspective, 
now's the opportunity to get involved in some flavor of, of blockchain. And again, blockchain is not the end all and you know, the world doesn't start or stop with, with blockchain. But what's going to happen is anybody starting any form of business, I do believe in the, whether it's a short term, the midterm or the long term, there will be a component of blockchain in their business because you are going to need some sort of verification, some sort of recording on some level. So I think it's getting familiar with what it is if you're looking to build a company. And even if you're even if you're in an organization already, at least just sounding smart, knowing what blockchain is, will I think go a long way? Impress your friends, impress the ladies, you know. There you go, there you go. <laughs> buzzwords, buzzwords, you know. What do you do? Oh, I'm on blockchain. You know, no, nobody typically will ask any questions after that. No? Oh, cool, you know. Yeah. People definitely go silent. I mean, even in my regular career, you know, I'm doing a PhD in biomedical engineering and I guess a little more people have a grasp on what that is, but everyone's just like, what, what do you do in that? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> right, right, exactly. So you could be very vague. We could all be very, very vague, you know, just use the word blockchain. Yeah, blockchain. blockchain. Distributed ledger technology, internet of things, IoT. Exactly. So where can people find more about you, Ari? I'm big on social. They could go to my Twitter handle, Ari Zildin. Find me on Facebook also. I don't discriminate. I accept everyone. You know, <laughs> so, so you want to be my friend, be my friend. You know, a lot of people are like, no, I'm very selective on Facebook. It's like, hey, you want to be my friend? I'd love to be your friend. So you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. My website is arizilden.com. I'm also very figure we're in the openness business to anyone interested in, in emailing me. My email address is ari at arizilden.com, A-R-I at A-R-I-Z-O-L. D-A-N.com. And just, I'm always looking to meet new, interesting people, exactly what, what you guys are doing and, and what your initiative is. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Ari. It's been really fun talking to you. I love picking your brain and hearing more about your experience and talking about Amazon reviews and things like that. <laughs> yeah, this is totally fun. We'd love to have you back, Ari. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, guys. And, and keep up the wonderful work as well. It's been, uh, this podcast has been great very very thought-provoking also and i love what you guys are doing so keep up the wonderful work and you as well hopefully uh, we get to meet each other at a conference again soon you bet it'll be sooner than later yeah and uh, let us know when you're coming to miami we'll, we'll grab coffee or some drinks or something definitely definitely would love that thank you for listening to a bit cryptic podcast a bit cryptic podcast is hosted by alain leon dang du and myself jeff peterson show notes are by our editor-in-chief dang du Website is by Sammy Toucan and his team at Pack Surge Media. Remember, nothing we say in this show is meant to be financial advice. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep it cryptic.